Him. Shim. Standing by. Complete. Greetings, heroes of the internet. I'm Travis. And I'm Nathan. And we are the Henshin Men, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying and high-kicking adventures. In this installment, we will be discussing Kamen Rider episodes 40 and 41. Deathmatch, the monstrous snowman versus the two riders. Shito, Kaijin Suonoman, Tai Futare no Raida. Shocker's newest commander, Dr. Death, leads an operation to trigger a chain of volcanic eruptions to destroy the world. Takeshi Hongo, the original Kamen Rider, returns to Japan and joins forces with Hayato, and by their powers combined, fight to thwart this evil plot. Hey, Travis. Double the writer, double the fun, double the recordings. Yes. <laughs> this is the first time since we've started this podcast, but we've actually had to scrap one whole recording because it just was such a actually, mess. Actually, it wasn't even a whole recording. It was more like half a recording. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But yeah, we we recorded a whole bunch and then it just it kept messing up. There was so many technical errors and so many errors on my part. And, and it just, yeah, so we just scrapped it and decided to start over. Yeah, the internet died. Yeah. <laughs> the universe did not want us to talk about the return of, of, of. Hongo, our boy, he's back. He's back. <laughs> Guess who's back? And when we were watching back again, <laughs> Hongo's back. Tell a friend. <laughs> we were watching these episodes around the same time, and you texted me a gif of David Tennant's doctor that said, "Did you miss me?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, He's like, yes, I did. <laughs> so yes. Oh, it's about. Dang time. I've been waiting 27 episodes and he's back. <laughs> yes. So, uh, the OG, <laughs> the first writer, the original writer, Takeshi Hongo has returned. Uh, it's, it's just so great. Like there's something about him as much as I do love Hayato. I and I do, I don't want to make it sound like I don't like Hay Hayato. Takeshi Hongo brings, and, and it's the actor, Fujioka, who brings this like suave devonairness, almost like a James Bond level to the show that 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 you're not getting with Hayato. And I just I, I love Takeshi Hongo so much for that. Oh, it's that suit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean the writer suit. I mean the suit and tie. The double breasted blue blazer. Yes. <laughs> just he still has it after all this time he still has it <laughs> yeah well the funny thing is is that we actually have to wait a few minutes 
to see that it's him because when the episode starts, we're in Switzerland, which is already a little bit of a shock. And then we see two girls get accosted by shocker goons. And then, well, a Yeti shows up, but we'll get to that. And then a common writer shows up. And I think, I think the show wants you to think, I think they're banking on the idea. It's like, it's been months since you've seen Hongo. So they're banking on the idea that you're expecting it to be Hayato. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out he's not because it waits a good couple of minutes for him to unhension after he gets kicked around by the Yeti. And then he just gets up and then the narrator says, remember him. That's Hongo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the the narrator actually reminds us of who Takeshi Hongo is, which makes sense because it, it has been a little while since he's been on the show. And, uh, you know, there's, there's not necessarily reruns playing every day uh, of this show. So kids who came into it and missed maybe the first 13 episodes may not know who he is so putting that little bit in there i think was kind of smart it's kind of how marvel always puts like a previously on or a, you know a little splash page at the beginning of all their comics because uh like they i think it was stan lee who was the one who started that because he's like every comic is somebody's first comic and every episode of of common yes. writer is somebody's first episode and these are some mm-hmm. really great episodes to be your first episodes if they if this is your first ones yeah i mean the theme song the intro which actually changes i think in this episode doesn't it we actually get more kaijin from the hayato era <laughs> yeah they're showing more kaijin uh the one the ones in the uh beginning intro song have changed the music is still the same it's still the same theme song but it's just the images have changed a little bit yeah yeah but even that tells you uh gives you the basic premise of the show before you even get started so yeah so it's like here in case just so you know this is what the show's about also i want to point out last week we talked about the the uh christmas werewolf episode which is still just really weird to think about yep and this now they're paying attention to another holiday because this aired on New Year's Day, which is the week after Christmas, because <laughs> yep. last week the episode was released on Christmas, so now it's New Year's Day. Now they just pay a little bit of lip service to it at the beginning of the episode with all the white people. <laughs> yeah, you're in Switzerland, so it's all white people now. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wish you didn't know. <laughs> I do have a question though. Why is Yankee? What's that? Why is Yankee Doodle Dandy playing in the background <laughs> in the Swiss Alps? I, doesn't everybody like Yankee Doodle Dandy? <laughs> I, I, I it was such a weird background song to be playing in a ski lodge it, it in the was. Swiss Alps. Yeah, it was. I have a bigger question though. Where's Yuriko? <laughs> yeah, Ruriko Ruriko is a no show. They don't give any explanation for her either. She's just not there. No, she's not there. Apparently she got replaced by two, by Hong. Now Hongo has two writer girls. Yes. And just goes to show you, it takes two people to do the work that Ruriko was doing. So it just shows you how uh, important she was. That it takes two to replace her. Yeah. I'm just a little bit mad. I was pulling for the, two of them you know 
Although the and and these two girls that uh, these two new writer girls that are with Hongo, they're not pushovers like the writer girls that we saw with Hayako oh, no. started out as. These girls, <laughs> you mean the ones that claim to be black belts, but <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> it's a little debatable no but these these girls don't even claim anything they just prove it because they are carrying a deck of cards and they go full gambit on these shocker goons <laughs> or joker because they're razor tipped they they stick into people they just slice a guy's face with with a playing card like i don't want to mess with these girls <laughs> No, no, you don't. <laughs> and, and then, uh, do we want? Well, I'll say this one more thing. They talk. There's a lot of talk about volcanoes, especially in the beginning of volcanoes in the Alps. Uh, no, there are no volcanoes in the Alps. Funny, that's funny show, but no, right? The Alps formed by tectonic collision. That's the volcano. There's no way volcanoes can be there. But sure, <laughs> right? Blowing up a mountain's a good way to start your episode. Now, before we talk about the big villain, because I do want to spend a little bit of just time just talking about the big villain. We need to. Yeah. But before we do that, I want to talk about just the Kaijin of the week. (laughs) Because apparently Yetis exist in this universe. (laughs) I'm laughing because as of the release of this episode, I've just published the season finale of the film vault, which had you on it, Travis. Yes. To and talk we about the, movie. the absolute piece of art that is Yeti <laughs> giant of the 20th century. Ah, Yeah. And apparently shocker didn't have to go all the way to Canada to find this Yeti. Nope. He but was in Europe. Did yo, yeah, and but uh it, it, they never thought to, I don't know, put laser nipples or something in the, <laughs> on there yet. <laughs> so so I just love that they gloss over the fact that they're like, because this isn't just any Yeti, this isn't just a a, a your run-of-the-mill Yeti that, that Shocker is using here. He is a yeti that they have turned into a cyborg so shocker has gone that's out why i'm surprised shocker has gone out found <laughs> this animal that no one knew existed and brought it back to transform it into a cyborg to do its bidding <laughs> and they didn't think to give it ridiculous powers <laughs> well, no laser nipples no something well <laughs> i mean he has the metal face the metal faceplate because he's a cyborg. Yeah, which looks weird. <laughs> and he has it looks really weird. I'm he, not even sure he has a face. And he has the metal chest plate, which gives him metal nipples. <laughs> uh, if you're wondering why we're saying all of this, listeners, try watching that movie. <laughs> yeah, oh, you'll understand. Anybody who or just listen to the Foam Vault episode. Listen to. The Monster Island Film Vault episode on Yeti. Watch the movie Yeti Giant of the 20th Century. Uh, listen to any episode of Kaiju Weekly because it constantly is brought up on, on that podcast for some reason. Um, probably our listener, Elijah. Elijah. Yes. <laughs> Elijah. Um, 
uh, Elijah, here you go. Metal Yeti nipples. Uh, <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. I didn't realize that Common Rider was in the sequel to that movie, Yeti Giant of the 21st Century. <laughs> Even though this show still takes place in the 20th century? Don't argue with the title. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, let's talk now real quick. Uh, I mean, well, real quick. We're probably going to spend a good bit of time talking about the main bad guy who is introduced. The one that replaces Colonel Zoll as the overarching, overarching, however you want to say it, uh, villain for the next while, few episodes. Uh his name you mean doctor who doctor who dig yeti dig wait doctor what <laughs> doctor who doctor what doctor death doctor death he's <laughs> <laughs> like doctor who doctor what no who that's what i'm asking who <laughs> um yes yeah, so we have amamoto Finally, in this show, I knew this was coming for a while because I have watched a bunch of these episodes. Um, I used to, whenever I would edit podcasts, uh, sit and watch Common Rider. Just, you know, it would have it on in the background as I was editing podcast episodes. So I've actually watched a good bit of this series. That's why I knew a lot of what was coming. And I knew mm -hmm. that he was coming. I've seen episodes with him in it. And so I was just, I've just been waiting for Amamoto to show up. Yeah, Hideo Amamoto, who was part of Toho's stable of contract actors back in the 50s and 60s. He, he had a lot of bit roles in a bunch of movies. He was in a couple of Godzilla films, actually. He, mm -hmm. uh, he was in Atragon. He was in Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, Godzilla's Revenge. He's probably his most prominent role was he was Doctor Who in a little movie called King Kong Escapes. And if you're wondering why I'm using that voice, it's, be it's because when the movie was dubbed, that character was dubbed by Paul Fries, who famously played Boris on Rocky and Bullwinkle. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Amamoto so he's is our new main villain. Yes. And Amamoto is one of those actors that, you know, he had been around for a long time. And uh, Godzilla fans, like we said, he's been in a number of Godzilla films, but usually he was kind of a side character or just a bit character. Um he played the grandfather slash father. I can't remember what his relationship is to the, the main character in Godzilla's revenge or AKA all monsters attack. Oh no, he was the, he was the neighbor. Oh, the neighbor. That's who he was. The that's toy he inventor. Was. That, that's right. Yeah. Neighbor, neighbor. Okay. I, I just knew he was the old man. The kid went and visited. I didn't know if father, grandfather, what he was. Um, then, uh, uh, he was also, uh, leader of the Red Bamboo Army in Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster or Ebra uh, Monster of the Deep or Horror of the Deep. Actually, he was that was Jun Tazaki. He wasn't the commander. He was just one of the officers. I thought he was the commander. Huh. Okay. No, that was Jun Tazaki. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, he was one of the... Okay, I, I'm not doing a great job at this, but I do know for sure <laughs> that Godzilla fans will recognize him from Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack, hashtag mm -hmm. Justice for Baragon. Um, <laughs> as the old man 
in that who is kind of warning everyone and telling everyone about uh, Godzilla's uh, purpose in in trying to seek revenge on the nation of Japan. Mm -hmm. So uh, and that was actually his Mm -hmm. last role that he actually did. He did performance for uh, because he died uh, not long after that. Uh, And yeah. And yes, I was just going to say, he's also been in the Ultra franchise. He was in Return of Ultraman. He was in Ultra Q, a really good episode of Ultra Q, I might add. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, his last actual on-screen appearance is in Ultraman Cosmos, where he appears uh, using stock footage or footage, uh, archive footage of him. But by the time that show had come out, he had already passed away um same situation with masked rider the first which is the 2005 mm-hmm. reboot movie for common rider which basically retells the whole origin story of takeshi hongo and uh hayato and they use the same thing they, they have archive footage of him to have him be one of the shocker leaders in that film. Uh, sadly, mm-hmm. he had, he had mm-hmm. already passed by the time that film came out too. So yeah. So, so he is one who has been around. People will recognize. And along with Akiji Kobayashi, who is in this, who plays uh, in this show, who plays um, uh, uh, Tachibana, Tobe Tachibana, uh, He's one of those, Amamoto is one of those few actors who has run the gamut of doing Godzilla, Ultraman, Kamen Rider, and Super Sentai, because they both have appeared in mm-hmm. uh, Super Sentai properties. Yep. They forgot about Gamera, though. Yep. Yeah. I, I feel like Daie kind of didn't, didn't, uh, like poach a lot of the toho actors so a lot of the toho actors never went to die not until the 90s right yeah not until the 90s um now let's talk <laughs> about the the character now that we've talked about the actor let's talk about the character that amamoto is playing because oh my goodness i love this villain uh, yeah. so much I, I, you were telling me you were telling me that he's actually one of the most iconic villains in common writer yes he's one of the most iconic ones in common writer especially this original common writer series he is one of those ones that comes back many times in the future he he returned in in uh common writer v3 he has returned in other series and in specials and anniversary episodes he has appeared in he's appeared in the common writer video games uh he has appeared in the manga he has appeared just throughout a lot of the common writer franchise there is always a dr death slash dr shinigami yeah that's the other thing in true common writer tradition just like with the kaijin nobody can agree on a name for this guy because the subtitles on tubi and shout factory say in the actual show they say dr death on the episode listings this says dr reaper uh, but you look anywhere on the internet and probably in most other translations of the other media he's been in, there's like at least Dr. Shinigami, which is interesting because a Shinigami can be translated a couple different ways. If you're familiar with Death Note, 
the the anime or and manga it's, uh, it's translated death god but if you if you're a fan of the anime and manga bleach they also have shinigami but they translate it soul reaper mm-hmm. in there so but in both cases they're kind of grim reaper figures which i'm guessing is why the episode listings say dr reaper right but honestly, I think Dr. Shinigami is the best one. I wish they just left it alone because that sounds mm-hmm. pretty cool on its own. Yeah, it really does. Um, so I may flip back and forth between Dr. Death and Dr. Shinigami just because uh, Dr. Death was easier for me to write in my notes as I was typing quickly um, than trying yeah, to spell true. check Shinigami. What, what? <laughs> but, but I am more familiar with him being called Shinigami than I am with Dr. Death. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what amuses me is that from what I remember reading, Dr. Death was an early name Stan Lee had for Dr. Doom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think there have been some people in real life who've had that nickname, which does kind of add a little bit of credence to naming him Dr. Death in this. Yes. Uh, in Britain and in France. And yeah, there's been a few Dr. Deaths uh, in real life. So yeah, it's uh, it's, it's definitely a creepy yeah. name. I still, I'm with you. I like the name Shinigami a little bit more, but that's also because we know kind of the, the cultural meaning behind it whereas you know your normal person watching is not going to necessarily know what shinigami is so i understand wanting to translate it but i just i like i said i'm more familiar with this character as dr shinigami so i'm i'm probably will call him that more often but i might you know switch back and forth between that and dr death who knows what they should have called him is Dr. Dracula because he oh my God. essentially looks just like Dracula almost. He does. The, the pale skin, sunken eyes, the, uh, the, the cape, the high collar, the really high collar. Oh my God. Really high collar. I think Bella Lugosi is looking at... I think Bella Lugosi is looking at that collar and saying, what are you doing? Uh, Trim that collar, you crazy man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. I love the look because it is such a striking look because uh, unlike Dracula or, you know, Bella Lugosi's Dracula, he's not wearing black uh, on his actual suit person. Uh, He's just has the black cape. And of course the high collar that's also red lined, which is just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, but he's wearing a full white tuxedo, just pristine white tuxedo with the white bow tie and this black cape with the, the red lining It is just, it is a look that you could only get in a TV show like this or in a James Bond movie from the sixties. Yes. It, it, like I said, it's a crazy look. And I'm every time I see him, I keep thinking, Toho, why didn't you have Amamoto be Dracula in a movie? <laughs> Seriously. You were I mean, you were making the Bloodthirsty trilogy at this point. Why what why didn't you have him be Dracula or something? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, you can definitely tell that playing Doctor Who in King Kong Escapes helped him warm up to play a another supervillain, and this time Instead of fighting the giant ape, he's fighting an actual superhero. Yep. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, so now the plot for this episode. Uh, we've already talked about what what kind of what uh, Shocker is planning. There, it involves volcanoes. They're wanting to uh, defeat Common Rider and take over Japan because Japan's branch has been hit so hard by Common Rider. So they're wanting to go down to uh, which what city or what? Uh, yeah, what place is it? It's Sakurajima. That's what it is. Sakurajima. Uh, yeah. and set off a volcano that's there that will set off a chain of events. And basically they want to do the uh, Pacific Rim uprising plot. Except better. <laughs> Except better and not retroactively saying, oh, this was our plan all along. Uh, anyway, that's a different discussion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trust me. I have opinions about uprising. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so Hongo decides to go back to his home country of uh Japan after spending all of his time in Europe trying to take down uh the European branch of Shocker and Hayato and Team Rider are going to meet them and bring them back to or or, or travel down to uh the place where the where that volcano is and so they're all on this ferry on their way down there mm -hmm. uh the the yeti cyborg is also on this ferry <laughs> and they talk about how that they're going to send him to spy on them I'm like i don't think the giant snowman is a magic ninja. I don't think stealth is his specialty. And yet somehow nobody sees him. Nobody sees the big hairy metal thing that's walking around on this ferry. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> but we also find out for we also find out for some silly reason that Hayato and Taki decided to disguise themselves as crew members. Yeah. I mean while they're doing this. I love talking in a costume. Come on. <laughs> I got a thing for men in uniform. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talk, talking in disguise is a staple of this show at this point. It is. And at least he's not dressed up like a shocker goon. Right. Uh, especially not one going to a murder party. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so so we finally get to the the place uh, and, and because we spent so long talking about amamoto and hongo i'm just going to kind of speed through the plot we get to, we, we we get a, a decisive battle the final battle hongo comes in and you have two riders versus one kaijin it is so epic to see the two yeah, writers. The, the episode spent the episode spent the entire time building to that. Yes, and it's only in the last few minutes when it happens, and it is glorious. It is. <laughs> I, I was. I was texting you and telling you, I was like, I feel like these two episodes are a bit more polished than the than normal. Mm -hmm. And you said, well, of course, it's because Hongo came back. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they seriously pulled out the stops. They put a they put a bit more polish on this one because, well, 
spoiler warning, we've watched ahead and it kind of goes back to business as usual after these two episodes, which is disappointing, but we'll get to that. (laughs) Yeah. But yes, two writers versus Snow Yeti. (laughs) Cyborg Yeti. Cyber Yeti? That also somehow Cyber Yeti. Like shoots fire or like you has like heat blast powers, which is weird for being a Yeti and called Snowman. <laughs> well, why not? I mean, if you watch 70s ultra shows, the uh, everything breathes fire. <laughs> right. True. True. <laughs> <laughs> everything breathes fire (laughs) but man i want to talk about the ending of this episode but i think that's going to be in the awards in fact i'm going to double check just to make sure is that in the awards double the writer check yes (laughs) (laughs) double check yes yes uh yeah the That, that is in the awards seeing but without you know going spoiling what our awards are seeing the two writers actually working together and uh, it's just it's fantastic It, it really is just a highlight of this entire series is seeing these two for yeah. the first time together on screen you know sharing the the responsibility of fighting this this uh this kaijin and uh i love that i love the back and forth between the two like like hongo and hayato have this Mm -hmm. really nice camaraderie between the two even though up until now they haven't actually been on screen together (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i see here in your notes that uh, they have a nice uh, handshake (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's this uh it's this moment when they unhinge and, and they just kind of look at each other and he goes hongo and the other one goes hayato and then they just shake hands and it's just it was just such a really uh-huh. great great moment i loved it i wonder if hongo ever uh, lo- uh, looks at <laughs> looks at hayato and says what my motorcycle back i want my motorcycle back <laughs> Well, he's got his own motorcycle too, so I don't know. I know. Apparently, he has. Apparently, we have Cyclone Two, except it belongs to Takeshi. So yeah, yeah. I don't. <laughs> oh know. well, but and we should we should mention that their their costumes do look a little bit different. We talked about that before. I was just happy to see Hongo back because. We have a proper scarf and not the ascot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we've we have talked about it when when Hayato first took over as common writer that the suits are different. Like you can look at them and tell the the differences. There's um, Hayato's has uh, white stripes down his uh, arms and legs, and his gloves are a different color, and he has a shorter scarf, but which looks more like an ascot. He also has like this white. Uh, thing like triangular thing that comes down his mask and while Mm -hmm. i like the white stripes on his arms and legs i don't care for the other white flourishes and the other little things and like you said i definitely prefer the longer more realistic scarf not the ascot uh that is on hongos and hongos you know doesn't have the white patterns and everything and it just i don't i really like hongos suit that is my favorite uh common rider suit uh probably i don't know it's definitely one of my favorites of all of them 
but I, it may even be my favorite ever. Hmm. Nah, I think there's hmm. some that might be a little bit higher, a couple that might be a little bit higher, but it's definitely one of my favorites of the entire franchise. Well, it's the icon. It's the icon. Yeah, so I would expect it to be. Yeah, it's the original. Uh, I'm still curious. Yeah, I'm still curious to find out how it, Takeshi Hongo transforms now because he does. We never see him do the pose like Hayato does, and even though I've seen stuff of Hongo and later stuff where he does do the pose. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I'm wondering if it's still the. You know, the turbine on the belt, but we, we never see him do it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm actually not sure. I don't think there's actually an explanation uh, that he just, you know, I think I think they've learned their lessons with Hayato of we don't need to have an explanation of of the turbine turning and he has to ride his motorcycle to be able to transform. He can just, you know, do the rider dab and and transform. <laughs> the writer dab it's one of my favorite jokes anyway let's move on to the next half of this epic two-parter magma monster ghost star the great battle of sakurajima magma kaijin ghosta sakurajima daikessen Dr. Death continues his volcanic operation with ghost star a magma monster who can withstand intense heat but his ace in the hole is a brainwashed Hongo, who he sends to kill Hayato, so that traitor fights traitor. And thus begins an epic series of episodes that involves brainwashing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, but it was cool here. It let's, was really let, cool here. Let's just put that forward right now. It was really cool here. This was, it, it's not, it doesn't quite follow the Stan Lee model because his thing was that whenever heroes meet each other, they have to fight. They don't fight as soon as they meet each other, but they fight later. And it usually involves either misunderstanding or mind control or something along those lines, which we have in here. And it's actually kind of interesting because it's basically Shocker. Or, I mean, we're jumping ahead to the end of the episode because this comes a bit later. But it's basically Shocker trying to complete what they started with Takeshi. Yeah. Because the last step that they were supposed to do was to brainwash him so he was absolutely loyal to Shocker. And then that gets interrupted. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's right. It was it was trying to complete the transformation that they had started on him. Uh, I do like the idea of you know like because we had such an epic team up in the last episode that having you know even if it is for just a brief period, having now writer versus writer is really just epic. I, I like they really just crammed so much into these two episodes that we were covering this week because it, like they crammed in the, the meeting of the two heroes, the, the awesome team up, the, the, the versus each other. It's just been, it, it's such a just massive. They spared no expense on these two episodes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It feel, well, I mean, I said, Last week, that that episode felt like a season finale. The this, I don't know if it feels more like a season finale or a season premiere, but it feels like one of those. Because, like I said, the, these two episodes feel special. 
Mm-hmm. Like, seriously, they put a little bit more work into these to make them a little bit better. Yeah. Except I will say I have one black mark against this two-parter. And what's that? And feel free to disagree with me if you want, Travis. But I feel like the fight choreography during the writer versus writer fight was not up to snuff with the rest of the show. I wonder if they didn't want to damage the common writer one suit because of hmm. it only appearing Why would they w- for these two episodes. And, and I don't know if they have it in the budget to maybe repair it. So it seems maybe it's a little bit more precious. I don't, I don't know. It just, yeah, that, that was the only, that's the only explanation I can think, but you're right. The, the fight choreography is a little, uh, not as, not as strong as the, as the, fight choreography with like other kaijin other monsters and stuff or even the goons that we get uh the writer versus writer fight is not as uh intense or flashy yeah that which left me a little bit disappointed like this is a big moment and it doesn't feel big enough and i don't know about your idea that they don't want to damage it because if that was the case why weren't they treating it with kid gloves with all the rest of the fights true hongo fights the goons and the kaijin they're just like i don't know it's just weird true i didn't understand it uh something that okay i want to talk about because we did jump ahead to the to the towards the end of the episode i want to go back my favorite moment in this entire episode just this one episode uh was when (laughs) there was a bus that pulls up to the hotel they're saying there's a there's an eruption. Everyone evacuate. We have to go get on the bus. And of, then the- of, of course, there's going to be an eruption. The name of this place is Sulphur Valley. And so all of the all the people are getting on the bus. These two Goro and another kid who we we've never seen before uh, try to get on the bus, but the the scientists quote unquote scientists push the kids away. And then the bus, the bus takes off. And I just love this because you don't know what's going on yet. The idea of save the adults, leave the children. (laughs) (laughs) And then just to make it even nuttier, the driver is another returning Kaijin. Just ignore the fact that we have a new Kaijin with ghost star, who is one of the most surreal looking Kaijin that we've had on this show in a while because he doesn't really look like anything. He's almost more like an ultra kaiju in that regard because I I think he's supposed to resemble molten rock, but he has like this malformed face and everything. He looks really weird. I think he's supposed to look like a volcano because he like his head comes up into a peak with like a, with, you know, that looks almost like a volcano. Yeah. And then, but he's got a tube that runs from his the side of his head so it, it's just like it's yeah weird. it it's, is really weird yeah it's really weird but i do like the suit but anyway armadillong yes armadillong, armadillong is back with a new Again. paint job this the it, yeah this is what his second resurrection at this point and then he just like some dude tries to run at him and he just breaks the guy's neck he's like you're not going anywhere i'm like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but for the kids (laughs) armadillong is not the only kaijin that gets resurrected in this because we also get the mole man 
Yeah, Molong. Is it Molong? Molong, Molstar, something like that. But yeah, the, the yeah, Molong. Mol- Mol- hey, wait, 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 wait. M- Molong, it's been so long. Ha, 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 ha. I'm here all week. Anyway. So uh, you get two resurrected Kaijin, a new Kaijin, brainwashed Takeshi Hongo, and the also a side story of the kids trying to find Hayato and Takeshi Hongo so that they can help them find their parents and or the adults that were kidnapped. It just there's so much packed into this episode. It's it's crazy. Yeah. And and then we get Takeshi's first fight in this episode as Common Rider, and it is BA because he's fighting a, a, a couple of Kaijin that are, they're, they're Hayato's villains. He's mm-hmm. never fought them before. So that's a reason to get excited. So it's like, oh my gosh, he's fighting new, he's fought, fighting villains that are Hayato's. Oh my gosh, what's he going to do? And he's fighting them at the same time. And he's like, you know what? I'm Takeshi Hongo. I'm the OG. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do. I, I, okay. I want to, because I have a feeling and I might be wrong, but I have a feeling that you are probably going to have an issue with one of the scenes when Takeshi <laughs> and Hayato are are talking about splitting up to go. One's going to go look for the adults. One's going to go back to try to uh, figure out what's going on with, with uh, Shocker. And Takeshi Hongo decides okay well we'll flip a coin to see who goes after the shocker uh, <laughs> monsters it's just so weird I'm like why are we doing and hayato is like you're not <laughs> gonna so trick weird. me because that that's a, a that's a double-sided uh two-headed coin he's like no it's not a two-headed coin okay and so hayato picks tails and, and he's like, oh, it is Tails. And so Hayato goes, and Hayato ends up going to help find the parents or and, and the adults. But Hongo reveals, haha, it wasn't a two-headed coin. It was a two-tailed coin. <laughs> Hongo, you are one lucky punk that he picked exactly what you wanted. Unless you really thought that the whole two-headed coin talk was reverse psychology or so. I don't know. The whole thing was weird, and I don't know why he did it unless he was just like, I don't want the young guy to, or the new guy anyway, to, you know, to go fight Shocker. I'm going to go deal with it. It's like, what the- well, well, here's the thing. I don't understand. <laughs> and I might be giving the show and the writers too much credit, but I feel like this is an extension of what, and we've talked about it before on this show that Hongo has a different style when fighting shocker than Hayato. Hayato is more trusting of other people and brings other people in. And he, he like shares the load with other people in his team. Whereas Mm -hmm. Hongo has this kind of personal responsibility that he shoulders and doesn't want to bring other people and let other people shoulder that responsibility, at least not to the extent that he does. And so I wonder if this, or at least what I was picked, what I took away from it was, 
you know, I'm don't I'm not going to trust you to go after Shocker because that's my responsibility. I have to be the one to do it. Not out of selfishness, but like it's my responsibility. I have to be the one to take care of it. And so that's why he did it. I really like that idea, actually. And if that's the case, it actually I think it makes that scene better. Yeah, and that's what it doesn't just seem like it doesn't just seem silly. You know, like two dudes just being goofy about it. It actually makes sense. Yeah. And I, 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 like I said, maybe I'm giving them too much credit and maybe I'm just digging into it a little bit too much, or maybe it's just a carryover from me watching Spider-Man recently. And so uh, the idea of a, a hero <laughs> who shoulders way too much responsibility. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's on my mind. No way home. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, without giving any spoilers has a double dose of, did you miss me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, and the other ones aware of that by now. But yeah, so and and really that that it does feel very Spider Man esque if they if this is the way they intended it to be taken, because you know Spider Man is the type of person who's like, yeah, I have the power to stop this stuff from happening, to stop the bad guys. I have to do it, even in a world full of superheroes who also have the power to to do it. Spider Man still feels responsible. He still has to do it, and to to his own detriment. And I think that Hayato doesn't have that. Hongo does. Hongo has that kind of responsible responsibility that he needs to be the one to destroy shocker. He needs to be the one to take it on. And so it just, to me, it fit his personality Mm -hmm. to say, I'm going to, I don't want to trick my friend, but I'm going to trick him so that I can do the responsible thing. And, and so that's what it was. And given what we see of Hongo at the end of the episode, that actually makes sense. Yeah. Now that was it was in character, but it was also a little bit frustrating for me at the same time. Yeah. Now, now it 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 does it does defeat this whole thing that I've kind of you know thought of and all of this talk. The one thing that does defeat that is the i is the fact that Hongo left Japan and trusted Hayato enough to leave Japan in his hands. So why would he now not trust him and, and feel like he needs to take all the responsibility, but, but that that's, that's beside the point. We'll, we'll ignore that little thing. (laughs) Well, somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah. Uh, we, we did talk, (laughs) we did talk about writer versus writer, the mind control, the thing that breaks the mind control, though, is something. <laughs> okay, well, first we need to talk about how it actually happened because Hongo tries to fight Ghostar, and then Ghostar. I I have to say I really like the new setting that we have in this, where mm-hmm. it's in the this volcanic region and it looks very arid and very dark. I, even the lighting feels different in these episodes compared to everything else. Did you get that impression to it? Like it, it's almost I'm trying to figure out exactly how to, it's, everything feels a little bit hazier. Like everything's always overcast. So there's always a, a little bit of gray over everything, which is appropriate for being in this volcanic region. But anyway, he tries to fight ghost star ghost star. 
as you always do if you want to show just how powerful the kaijin is. He takes the rider kick. In fact, he takes it like it's nothing. And then Hongo falls into a pit, and then it's this commercial burger's like, oh, no, I'm going to fall into the lava, and I'm going to die. And then he slips, and he falls, goes to commercial, comes back, sudden, and suddenly we've gone from, I'm falling into the pit, I'm falling to my death in the pit, to I'm sitting in a chair with a funny-looking helmet over my helmet, <laughs> about to be mine, about to be brainwashed. It's a hat on a hat. Uh, yeah, also, but I, uh, that was funny enough, but now I'm just like, hold on. Did, did we miss a scene? Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, what, 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 what happened during the commercial? The heck? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> explanation, please. What? No explanation. No explanation. No. It, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's a black mark on this two-parter. It's a smaller one, I would say. Maybe. I don't know. Well, maybe it's the same size. I don't know. I just like that confused me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about a show where the the goons and the bad guys habitually like blink and are instantly in another location. So, eh. Well... <laughs> it's part of its quirks i guess although we did get we got a couple of good lines from dr shinigami in this scene one of which i'm saving for the awards one uh, the other one i actually admit i adapted for the episode synopsis which is let traitor fight traitor and i'd like "Ooh, i like that because both of the common writers <laughs> betrayed shocker and now he's like oh let them fight each other now <laughs> yeah yeah it was that it, again love dr shinigami because he's such a i mean is it is it too much to say that he's like a vincent price level villain like that he seems almost like vincent don't price. jump ahead don't jump ahead i've got vincent price references for another for another episode uh, okay okay but i'm like you see what i mean though but like, yeah this is very this is vincent price this is very vincent price he has such great lines such great delivery he's so just uh he's excellent and yeah that line of let traitor fight traitor uh-huh uh-huh and then the they changed the goons a little bit here because now cane swords are their weapons of choice Except I don't think it carried over all that much into the next episodes. No, it didn't. But I and did. I, that. I was like, I did like the new because because we've had the swashbuckling of you know, Common Rider takes one of the swords that the goons has and fights, but him having actually having the like cane part and how it separates, you know, and the and the sword comes out and using that in the fighting style that he does in the choreography uh, was actually kind of cool. I, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, they actually changed up. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just you know swinging you know his sword around willy-nilly he actually was doing some actual mm -hmm. moves that were really cool mm -hmm. oh yeah you know who wasn't doing any cool moves goro because he picks a fight with a kid over a telescope yeah i i put in my notes we interrupt this awesome episode to have kids fighting <laughs> over a telescope although we get a little bit of insight into goro because if you know your Japanese, this is interesting because he calls Hayato Nichan, which basically means big bro. Mm, yeah. 
yeah. Uh, he's done that before in uh, in other episodes, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's just uh, kind of that term of endearment uh, that you call like mm-hmm. an older person who's also very close to you. So it doesn't necessarily mean literal mm-hmm. brother. It's just, you know, how he had, you know, mm-hmm. how they would. Although it is used like that. in that context. Yeah, it's used in that context, too. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, it's something we forgot to mention about the writer versus writer fight, though. Hongo wins yeah yeah well uh, yeah because uh hongo has has hayato down on the ground ready to i mean it basically was like godzilla versus kong like he's stomping on him on his yeah. chest <laughs> and like stay down <laughs> basically and then hayato fixes it yeah with telepathy They've never mentioned that before. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Suddenly the writers are, have been connected telepathically this whole time and we didn't know it. Um, okay. Sure. Uh, <laughs> through the power of retcon. I, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. It's one of those things that, like I don't mind it because a they like they were both experimented on by Shocker. They're both built to look exactly the same. You know, they're cyborg versions of themselves, uh, and and so yeah, it makes sense that they they would be this kind of like unknown connection between them. I, I don't know. I just I did like it, but it did just come out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then we have the end of the episode, which is also a little bit weird because we, we're going back. We go back to the ferry, and now all the characters are going back. And then we find out because I was excited about this. I know enough about the show to know that Hongo comes back and he stays on the show. What I didn't realize is it doesn't happen here. Nope. Such a tease. This was just. It's such a tease. I'm like no, because at the end he. He's Hongo is saying, oh, uh, I've stopped Shocker, but I can't talk to Taki or Tachibana because I don't want to risk their lives. Or no, it wasn't that it was a it was, actually wasn't even that it was it'll make it harder for me to leave Japan. Like, oh, come the frick on, man. Oh, just ah, it, it makes sense. But it's also frustrating at the same time. You make it hard to say goodbye. <laughs> It's so hard. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I I literally wrote in my notes when that happened. What a tease. Hongo comes back for two episodes and leaves. Parentheses pouts. <laughs> That's me right now. I was just gonna say we got a taste of this of the gloriousness that was this, and then it was over. I was just like, no. Speaking of people leaving suddenly and us kind of missing them from the previous episode we are missing mari mari yeah yeah i think i think we talked about that Uh, mari uh mari's gone yeah oh yeah we we talked about it last week how how mari is gone uh even though i always confuse the names yuri and mari um but yeah, Yuri's still around. Yuri is still around. Mari is gone, 
And yeah, like we said, I just, you know, this is the first couple episodes we've had in a while without her. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's noticeable. And I think we said it last week that surprisingly never thought we would say it, but I kind of miss having her around. Yeah, I do. I do. She she started sticking out from the rest of the writer girls a little bit more as time went on. Mm hmm. And now the re- well, the ones that are left are just kind of blending together a little bit because they're subtly a less distinct from one another. There is one that stands out more to me, uh, I, and I'll talk about it in a future episode because there's something that happens in a future episode that that uh, it stands out to me a little bit more. Um, but yeah, 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 one of the new ones. Yeah, we uh, we'll get to that. Um, but now it's time, I think, we can get into the awards. Yay! What awards are we doing right now, Travis? So we're going to start off with our Henshin Kick Award. So our awards, uh, we like to give these awards out to uh, different things from the episode that we enjoyed. The Henshin Kick one is for the best stunt or bit of choreography from the episode. I'm not usually the one that, that introduces the awards, so this is weird. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> i thought i would defer to you a little bit i mean but yes the best uh, stunt or fight scene so what's uh actually we have the same one we have the same uh, one because both of these episodes both of these episodes end the same way and it's kind of i put down uh, i called it double rider kick but i said double rider kick two is even better because i thought because that's how the first episode ended was with double rider kick which just looks amazing by the way yeah so i i think i put specifically double rider kick too which actually sounds like a real thing (laughs) (laughs) double rider kick two electric boogaloo but (laughs) (laughs) but uh honestly either one of them they're both great Right. Yeah. And that's, that's basically me too. It's like there, uh, for me, it could be, it could be the first one. It could be the second one. Either one, that double rider kick is the thing, because again, you have the, the two characters together, finally doing their finishing move together in unison. And it's just, yeah, it's epic. Yeah. Yeah. And since <laughs> you're not used to it, I'll finish us out. No, I, so mean, I was just saying for the best special effect. I was just saying <laughs> that I'm not usually the one that does it, but I don't mind doing it. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. We'll uh, we'll trade. We'll trade off for okay. this episode. So d- talking Toku, best special effect. What did you have? Um, for me, it was like it was the little pyrotechnics that they had throughout both episodes because both of the monsters, even though one is called Snowman, uh, <laughs> they both involved fire, and so there was these little explosions that they kept, you know, shooting and and having uh, go off on the ground, and so that those little effects I really like because those are those are the type of things that are missing in modern movies like modern movies will still do some stunts and some actual you know physical things but squibs which are the the blood packs that go off whenever somebody gets shot uh and and a lot of these pyrotechnics are the two things that uh are missing in a lot of movies nowadays because those are the easiest to just do digitally which you couldn't do in 1972. So it's, it's just nice to see it. 
Oh, I miss practical blood effects. Digital blood just looks it looks really fake. Yeah, it looks really just, bad. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. No. And I'm just saying, <laughs> no way. Snowman with nipple cannons. Just saying. All right. There. You happy, Elijah? There. Fine. There. Yeah. Yeah. Get all, uh, uh, Travis, just get all the Yeti nipple jokes out for this episode. Okay. This, uh, between this and the film vault, you never have to talk about it again on Kaiju Weekly. <laughs> no. There anyway, will my be Yeti nipples on Kaiju Weekly. <laughs> Why? Anyway, my. Uh, similar, my nominee for this award, I I called it the Exploding Swiss Building, mostly because it's like I said, it's not often we see miniatures in this show, and I was actually impressed with it this time around. Yeah, yeah, that that uh, that Swiss ski lodge that just explodes mm-hmm. because there is a volcano in the Alps, apparently. Uh, also. <laughs> The only two people we know survived that were the two people, the two girls that were with Hongo. So it makes me question, did all of the other Swiss people that were there just burn to death? (laughs) Apparently. Let's move on to happier things. Yes. (laughs) 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 <laughs> so uh we're going to the we're going to the common atcha award which is our best line of dialogue from these two episodes what did you have nathan uh it's actually a bit of a speech and it comes from uh, dr shinigami from the scene we were talking about it's just it's just so wonderfully villainous <laughs> <laughs> because this is one of the this is back at a time when super villains would basically just wear their evilness on their sleeves mm-hmm. so here you go he said the common writer was originally a cyborg created by shocker yet he prattles about justice peace and love for his fellow man such absolute nonsense <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. it just makes me it does and it just makes me think of that scene in the animated transformers movie where megatron has a similar line where he says such heroic nonsense and then shoots iron hide in the head <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> uh my uh award there's um, a line and again it might just be the fact that at the time of recording I just saw Spider-Man No Way Home, so Spider-Man's on my mind a lot. Um, But this line that Hayato says feels like a Spider-Man line, uh, where Goro tells him, you know, don't, don't go. It's, it's a, it's a trap. It's obviously a trap from, uh, from Shocker. And Hayato tells Goro, there are times when, for the greater justice, a man must walk into a trap. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, he knows it's a trap, but he also knows that there's no way to avoid it. It's a trap. It. It's a trap. But there's no way to avoid it. <laughs> he has to he has to go because if he doesn't, then he can't defeat defeat them. There's no chance of defeating it, defeating them if he doesn't go. So he's purposely walking into a trap because he knows that there's at least at with doing that, there's a chance that he could win and mm-hmm. be and and defeat the bad guys so i don't know it just it feels very spider-man-esque to me it does 
It does. But I think we've said since the beginning that the whole story of Common Rider is very Marvel-esque. And I think we have used the Spider-Man comparison at points. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it is. And I've said it before, too, that Ultraman is like the Superman uh, in Japan. Like he, he is J- Japan's Superman, whereas Common Rider is Japan's Spider-Man, not just in their their themes, the the way that the, their cultural impact, the way they impact the, their culture and the and the people who grew up with them, but also just the the story and the characterization of the character seems to fit just the the archetypes that you have with Superman being Ultraman and Common Rider being Spider-Man. Basically. And now for our final award, WTH What the Hedgen for the craziest moment. What's yours, Travis? Uh we've talked about it, but I just wanted to kind of expand on it a little bit. The surprise mind uh mind control and telepathy and everything that that they're doing in this episode because like uh, speaking specifically of the mind control that dr shinigami uses i mean forget the fact that for the next like seven episodes we're going to repeat the same plot (laughs) ignoring that the fact that the the mind control was just such a small part of this episode it feels so weird because it feels like that should be the main focus the idea of brainwashing the original common writer to fight the new common writer feels like that should be the main focus of the episode not you know whatever's going on with moltar <laughs> from space goes coast to coast <laughs> who, happens, <laughs> who happens to also be in common writer uh yeah the the uh it just, I don't know. It felt like that should have been the main focus of the episode. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad it wasn't because then I would definitely be tired of it by the time we get through the next, you know, 20 episodes of oh, it. Um, <laughs> oh, good lord. But, yeah, but, I... but it does feel like one of those things. But, but ultimately, I just, the reason why it's a what the henshin is because it's like, really? That's, it's that you're going to do that in the last like five minutes of this episode, you, you wouldn't have, you're not going to dedicate the whole episode to that. So that's why it's my, what the henshin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine, we can, we can get this over with pretty quickly because we've already talked about it. And that is the magic ninja snowman. I just, how does nobody see him? <laughs> He's really light on his feet. He's really big feet. His giant yeah, his, uh, his, because he's Bigfoot. Oof, wrong button. Let me do that again. Because he's Bigfoot. Ha! I'm here all week. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Now it's time to move into Minute to Hinchin' It. And this is the part of the show where we in one minute or less, uh, sum up all of our thoughts and feelings and emotions that we had from seeing Hongo again uh, from these these two episodes. <laughs> uh, and are you man crush? Are you man crushing on Hongo as much as Taki at this point? Look, look, I do love Taki. Taki is 
just yeah anyway we'll talk more about Taki in a future episode because Taki didn't didn't do very much in these episodes so no no, he didn't (laughs) anyway anyway since you're bursting at the seams about this on your mark get set go yeah these episodes really just like you said they're they're so polished they're so good they really just threw everything they had into these two episodes and they really have everything that i love from this original uh, series because you have the campy villains you have the fun action interesting monsters especially the yeti one the the snowman was more more interesting to me but they're both really good uh and you have both writers together on screen for the first time just these episodes really remind me why i love common writer and why i love takeshi hongo especially as a character uh and, you know, having him on there without completely derailing Hayato's growth and importance was just was was a feat. And they were able to do that. And I really like that. So it was just excellent all around. Oh, my gosh. You did it right on the nose. Yeah. Right there. Right at the wire. You got it done. Hot dang. I usually <laughs> I usually finish dang. early. But to, today I decided to take my time. And just, you know, kind of enjoy the ride. Okay, no. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy the rider. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my turn on my market set go. Oh, man. I'm I'm sorry, not sorry. But anyway, yes, these. Oh, my gosh. I know I said last week that episode 39 with the Christmas werewolf was one of my, uh, was one of my favorite episodes in a while. I think, I think this two-parter may end up being my favorite episode. Uh, it is my favorite episodes so far. It just, it's one of the great things about being a superhero fan is watching some of your favorite heroes team up. And that's what I got here. And it was glorious. And I want more of it. And give it to me, show. Give it to me. This is the status quo I want. All right. And I know it's coming later, but now I'm frustrated that I got to wait until that happens. And it's going to be a while. Just saying. Just in time. I finished. Uh, I'm done ranting now. These two episodes have given us Common Rider blue balls. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out of the episode. <laughs> but I had to say it. <laughs> I couldn't go without saying it. <laughs> I dare you to leave it in, actually. Oh, man. We're pushing Common the family. blue balls. <laughs> We're pushing the family friendly. Uh, <laughs> the rating that we're trying to stick to. Anyway. And on that note, <laughs> thank you for listening to the Henshin Men, a Tokusatsu Appreciation Podcast. You can find links to all of our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to more of me on the Kaiju Weekly Podcast and listen to more of Nathan on the Monster Island Film Vault, as well as the a power trip podcast that is starting very soon. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's relevant to your interests and has our co-host in common, Michael. 
Hamilton. Our co-host and common writer. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you found some enjoyment from this podcast, consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes because that joke deserved it. Uh, (laughs) And until (laughs) next time, what are we going to say, Nathan? Takeshi and Hayato, the Henshin and Henshang. <laughs>